Chris Chodesh Tov. This is really this week in Israel. It should be also Chutz Laaretz, but in Eretz Yisrael this week, you can't compare it to anything else. The week of Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmod, it's it's a week that really, I remember as a kid, my parents made Aliyah 42 years ago. And I still remember my first Yom HaZikaron, my first Yom HaTzmod. It's going back a long time. But that's how much of a Roshim and impression it makes. I don't know those of you sitting here, how many of you, how long have you been here? But it just, um, this week, I really call it, if you want to know what true pride is, Today, the word pride, and unfortunately, in Eretz Yisrael, when they use the word gava, it's used the wrong way. I want to talk about that right now. True gava, true pride, is this week. What, what's all of it? What is it all about? What we're doing here. This is a week where I, I'm telling you, I, I feel proud. A, to be a Jew, B, to be living in Eretz Yisrael. And Mike alluded to the fact, yes, that I have a, a history and one of the things I'm going to say this now before we even get into the Torah that I want to teach, learn with you tonight, um, that was really one of the questions after Gush Katif, after 10,000 innocent Jews were, I want to say it bluntly, were thrown out of their homes. And today I'm privileged to be on the other side of the border, unfortunately. I'm privileged to work day in and day out in Stirot and Basically, direct result of what happened 17 years ago is what happens in State Road today. Today, I mean today, today, but even last week, we got another reminder that even it could be quiet for a few months, but it's never really quiet. And the question was, after what happened, those events in the summer of 2005, how do we treat a day like Yom Atzmo? What happens? Do we, like we'd say, just, you know, say, forget about it. Look what they did to us and say, you know, what are you about? How can we celebrate that anymore? How can we say halal anymore? Or do we look at it a much more deeper way of looking at things? And what happened, happened. And you have to, of course, uh, explain, at least to yourself, try to explain why it happened. I don't think anyone has an answer. But at the end of the day, I think hopefully after we learn together tonight, the picture is a much bigger picture for any one event, as terrible it can be, and it could be, to undermine everything that we've been doing here for the last, not 74 years, but a long time before that was. And I want to start tonight uh, from Pasha Shavua, really. It, it worked out nicely. Okay, this wasn't planned, but the way it works out the calendar, we have a Pasuk in Parsha Kedoshim. That it's a Pasuk which uh, really uh, doesn't seem to say that much, but it says a lot. And that's the first Pasuk on the source. When you come to Eretz Yisrael, you start planting trees. That is the mitzvah we call Arla. Baruch Hashem, we're living in Eretz Yisrael. It's one of the mitzvahs that applies in Eretz Yisrael. Three years, the tree, you cannot use the fruit of the tree. The fourth year, it's called Neta Revai. You have to treat it with holiness. And So I'm not going to go that much into the mitzvah, but it's very interesting how our rabbis, Chazal, the Midrash, takes apart this Pesach to really, to, uh, I would say, areas where, you know, where we didn't think of going. But that, that's the unbelievable way the Midrash works. So let's go, let's dive right, right into it. Source number two. The Midrash on this Pesach. Okay, so I'm going to skip the first few lines and get right to the what's underlined. So, like numerous times, Chazal like to explain their idea through a parable, through a mashal. And this mashal is a very interesting mashal. It's very difficult to understand, but hopefully we'll understand it together. Mashal the Melech, Shamar Livno. Okay? 
So wait, first of all, excuse me, we're going to go right to here, but we have to read the first sentence of the Midrash. A lot of times the Midrash likes to play with similar wording. So what Pasuk does the Midrash jump into? As it's written, a Pasuk in Mishlei, King Solomon, Shlomo HaMelech, we all know that Pasuk, we say it uh, in our davening. So the Pasuk talks about an eitz, a tree. So the Midrash goes to the Pasuk in Mishlei, which we all know the tree of life, which of course is referring to Torah. That's why we say this Pasuk. In our tefillah, in davening, when we put back the Sefer Torah, we say this Pasuk. It wasn't just, just by chance, because this Pasuk is referring to Torah. Okay, now let's get to the parable. Now, that's also strange, okay? It says eight, it says a tree. So let's go look for in Tanakh where it says a tree, okay? But that's why the Midrash, the Mashal tries maybe to explain what the connection is. Mashal the Melech Shamalim. There was a king, like any good story, that told his son, the prince, say la pragmatia. Son, I want you to go out to business. I want you to go out there on a business trip. Amarlo Abba, he says, Father, I'm afraid to go, number one, on dry land, the robbers, the thieves, and the sea, Aportin. Aportin, the word, what does it sound like in English? Aportin, what, what, who is at the sea? If the thieves are on the land, who is at the sea? The pirates, Aportin, pirates. I'm afraid of the pirates in the sea, and I'm afraid of the thieves on land. Masa, what did his father do to calm his son down? Natal Makel. His father took a stick. And he carved into the stick. And he put a charm. He put a, t- a certain type of good luck charm in the stick. And he gave it to his son. And he tells his son, If as long as this stick, this staff is in your hands, you will not, you don't have to be scared of anyone. That's the mushroom. Now, what's the nimshal? What's the para? What's what's the lesson? So let's go and see now. So so to Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, and more of Israel, tell my children, Am Israel, Banai, my children, is Torah. As long as you learn Torah, you don't be scared of any nation. Now let's analyze, like we do in school right now, we have a certain story with certain figures in the story, okay? Now let's say, let's match them up, each story in the mashal, and see if there's a pair in the nimshal. So the father is, the father is Hashem. The son is Israel. That's simple. Okay, now things get a little bit more complicated. Now what do we have? What what uh, props do we have in the story? We have the son going out to business. Now, in the, in the explanation of the Midrash, where's the business part here? There's no business. Now, also remember, keep in mind the whole time, there has to be a connection between this and the Pasuk that it's on. The Pasuk of coming to Eretz Israel and planting trees. Okay, but again, so we're already missing, we don't see at least it appears to be, the detail about going into business. Okay, so let's leave that aside. Do we see in the story, who is he afraid of? The pirates, the thieves? So that's probably, who are we afraid of? Who are we afraid of? He says in the, in the, in the story, don't be afraid of all the nations. But then, the question you have to ask, but then again, we go back, why is this only in Eretz Yisrael and not outside of Eretz Yisrael? Okay, that's another question. Third question, which is the most serious one. Now, who can tell me? Now, don't be embarrassed, okay? Because I want to see what you have to say. It's interesting. Okay, now you have the most important prop. You have the stick with this good luck charm in the stick. Now, what part of the story of the Nimshal is the stick and the good luck charm? Torah. So what's the Torah? Is the Torah the good luck charm or the stick? Okay. Now, yeah, I, I think if, I, if we take a survey here, most people would say, what's the Torah? The Torah is the good luck charm. But then what's the stick? Where, where, why do you have to put in the whole makel? Why do you put in the stick? Again, the details, there has to be chazal. Our rabbis did some tell the story here. 
There has to be a reason why they told the story as it was told. Now, if the Torah is the good luck charm, which most people would say, because we know the Torah is a kamiya, it's such a special thing, but what's the, what's the makel? What's the stick then? So we have to understand that, what it, why in the story there's a stick and the good luck charm. And in the nimshal, there's only the Torah, which apparently matches up with the good luck charm, but wonder what's the stick have to do with it? So remember all these questions we have to understand. In, in short, we have to understand why this only happens, it seems, in Eretz Yisrael. The good luck charm and the stick, what is what? If that's the Torah, with the good luck charm is the Torah, what is the stick doing there? What's the going into business? The pragmatia detail, he says, go out, say the pragmatia. Where does it say that in the nimshal? All it says in the nimshal is, my children learn Torah. It doesn't say anything about going into business or anything. So we have to, this nimshal needs a little bit more, how we say, polishing before we understand what our rabbis were trying to tell us here. Okay, so we'll leave that midrash alone. Now we'll go to a second midrash on this same puzzle. On this same, there's a lot of midrashim on this puzzle. And this midrash is one of my favorites because it also gives a little mashal. And it starts with a puzzle from Eov. We had from Mishlei, it's Chaim He. Now we have a puzzle from Eov. And it's strange also why even our rabbis had to bring this puzzle and not get right to the we're going to see in a second another story. But the Pasuk in Eeyog says, Mishat Batuchot Chochmah. Now, a lot of the Mepharshim have a, little, a lot of different explanations. Shat is, in Hebrew, some who put. This is Eeyog taught who put. Now, Batuchot usually are the insides of our body. So the, 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 the simple meaning is who put in our insides? Chochmah, wisdom. But the Midrash now takes it to another direction. Mao, source number three. Mao What is tuchot? Batavia. Tavia is a bird, a little bird. Now we get to the second part of the pasuk, which we all should be familiar with. What does that make? What is that familiar? What's where we have sechvivina? In the Birkot Shachar, every morning we say Hanotein. Now you know where it comes from. It wasn't made up by our rabbis. It's based on a pasuk in Eov. The second part of that pasuk, who gave the rooster wisdom? Now who's the, what is the sechvi? I just translated it, rooster. The Midrash says, we don't know what sechvi means. This is a tarnagolet. This is a rooster. Amarabi now to make sure we understand where does he get this from. Baravaya in Arabic, in Arabic, you call a rooster a sechvi. Okay, that's the introduction. Why do we need this whole introduction? We'll see. But now comes the main part. Hada Tanagolata. Now this is Aramaic, but I'll explain simultaneously in Hebrew. This rooster, Kadefrochea Dikikin, when its chicks are still babies. He mechashna laho. She gathers, the mother gathers them around her. She brings them under her wings. She keeps them warm. And she, when she's looking for food, she pecks with her beak and, get, and searches food for her chicks. That's when they're babies. When they grow up. When one of the chicks, when one of the chicks wants to come to the mother, she pecks him on his head, and she says to the baby, who's not a baby anymore, Zil Ador Now it's your turn. You go now by yourself and look for your own food with your own beak. That's the story. That's the mushroom. Now beautiful nimshal. Kach. So too. Yisrael When Am Yisrael were in the desert for 40 years. Hayahaman Yoreh. They didn't have to look for food, they had the man. Vabe'er Olele. They didn't have to look for water, they had the Be'er, the rock of Miriam. Vaslav Matsule. The birds were there all the time for them to eat. Vanane Kavod Makifototan. And they had the clouds of glory surrounding them for protection. Vamuranam Esilat. They didn't even have to have waves. They had the Amuranan going in front of them. That was in the Midbar. Those are the chicks. That's when Amisar was still a baby. Hashem took care of every need they needed. From food, water, 
protection, anything they needed, Hashem gave them. But then it's time to grow up. The minute Am Yisrael came into Eretz Yisrael, Amar Lahem Moshe, then Moshe says to them, Kol echad ve'echad mikem, every one of you, yitod makoshe, let him take his shovel, v'yavok, and go out, v'yinsogleinitzimen, and let him plant his own trees. Hadudichtim, that's the pasuk, kitovol arts untatem. So what is the Midrash doing? If we were learning, if I was teaching you Lashon now, Hebrew language, I would t- tell you to go back to source number one and ask you, so to split up the puzzle, it says, when you come into the land, untatem kol Now those four words, untatem kol you should plant trees. Is you should plant trees a separate mitzvah, a separate commandment, or that's part of the condition of the rest of the puzzle? What's the simple meaning of the Pasuk? What's the Pasuk in the simple meaning want to tell us? To plant trees? No. That's part of the, the that's part of the condition. When you come in Territ Yisrael, and when you plant a tree, we have a mitzvah for you called Arlo. The Midrash though says no. I'm going to explain the Pasuk differently. When you come in Territ Yisrael, you have an obligation to plant trees. It's not the JNF. It's not Karen Kayemet who made up the... This is Hashem telling us, based on the Midrash, it is, yes, there's a mitzvah to plant trees in Eretz Yisrael. Because what is the Midrash telling us? You want food in Eretz Yisrael? There's no more man. It's not going to grow. It's not going to come down from Shemaim anymore. You go into Eretz Yisrael, you want food? Okay. You want food? Plant trees and get food. There's no more miracles. There's no more money. You want, you want water? Dig wells. You want protection? Build an army. No more. The Midbar was the chicks. We were small. Hashem took care of us. Now we're big boys. Now we're big girls. Now we have to stand on our own feet. You want food? Go plant trees. And I'll show you now even more. Source number four, even that's the that was the Midrash Rabbah. Now the Tanchuma says it even more directly. Even though you might, when you enter the land of Eretz so you might find a lot of good already there. But don't come in and say, you know what, we'll just sit around and not do anything to add to the land. No, 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 no. Be careful to plant. When you came into the land, just like you found trees and plants that others planted, so too, you go ahead and plant that your children will have as well. So again, the Midrash here is saying, there's a, yes, there's an important lesson here that Hashem wanted us to enter the land and start acting like grown-ups and start and start caring for ourselves. There's no more mud. You have to start planting trees, and you have to start working, and you have to start digging wells. Because the mud and the air that was all temporary. And they were still growing up. They come into Eretz Yisrael. They're already grown up. They have to care for their own selves. Now, so there's a very important lesson here. Okay, which we'll go into in a second even more, based on source number three again, why did the Midrash have to start with these psukim from Eov about the, I mean, it would have been enough, you didn't have to talk about those psukim about giving the rooster bina and giving the chokhmah, the chokhmah and the bina here seems, you know, super, it, it seems irrelevant. Why have to give this whole introduction? You could have just given us this whole idea of there's a chicken and, a, and the, 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 the rooster and the chicks and they grow up when they're small, the, the rooster cares for its kids. What well, had to give this whole thing with Chochmah and Bina? So no. So the Midrash here had to say that because this is the key for us to understand exactly what Hashem wants from us, what the master plan is so to be. And that's source number five. And we'll go to Rashi. Go to Rashi for, we want to know what Chochmah and Bina is? Very simple. Big difference. Chochmah, Rashi says, that's referring to the Mishkan over there. Chochmah is very simple. Chochmah is the stage in life when we are learning from others. If I want to say, Rashi says, source number five, what else, someone listens in class and learns. 
say it in, in English, he's being spoon-fed everything. Little kids, they first have to listen. The teacher tells them everything. They don't expect to do anything, just to listen. That's the first step, Chochmah. But then, there's an ex expectation that the next step, Tzvuna, Bina. What is Bina? Rashi says, Mevin davar milibo, mitoch dvarim shalama. After the teacher teaches you, you then, of course, develop, you grow, mature, and you start learning things from what your teacher taught you. And in Hebrew, it's a beautiful language. Everything's unlike other languages. Bina, from the word bana, the bina is supposed to bone you. Your bina is supposed to build you as a person. When you're small, there's no building yet. There's just absorbing. Absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. The next step is bina. Now, you got well, you, you got the basis, you've got the foundation. Now build on that. That's the thing. And if we compare now what was said beforehand about the Midbar and Eretz Yisrael, the way the Midrash portrays it, this is exactly what Hashem wanted. In every step of life, especially in making, developing, which is celebrated Pesach, and we're leading up to Shavuot. So when the Amis are left, they're still considered little kids. So, so Hashem, first of all, had to be the level of Chochmah. They had to make sure that Am Yisrael, in a way, are in an incubator, so to say, like those little chicks. And Hashem gives them everything they need. Now, but here I'm going to add on a little more. It wasn't just because Hashem cared for them, they needed food, they needed water, they needed protection. Because what did Hashem want them to do those years in the Midbar? He wants them to be free of any external distractions so they can start learning Torah. Now, if they have to every day go ahead and start looking for food and planting trees and digging wells, and they're not going to. So Hashem first says, I'm taking care of everything. At the beginning, everything is on me. All your, what we call the Gashmiut, all the worldly issues. That's on me. So you'll have time to learn from Moshe and have time to grow in Torah that you didn't have time. Now you were in tribe until you were in the worst place possible for 210 years at least. Now it's time for you to have time for yourselves to be able to learn. But that is not the goal to be spoon-fed and everything. That's not the goal of this world. The goal of this world is to go a step higher. Is the Bina. Comes a time where Enough. I gave you the foundation. I gave you the basis. Now it's time for you to grow on your own. What does that mean, grow on your own? That means that when it's time to go into Eretz Yisrael and to live a normal life. Now, why? When I say normal, just I'm, 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 uh, I'm going to skip here to source number seven for a second. How is the man? The man that came from Shamayim. It's called in the Gemara and Yuma, Lechem, based on the Pasuk and Til, Lechem Abirim Achalish. What's Abirim? Lechem Shemalachei Asharit Ochlemoto. So that's, if you want to define the Midbar, it was they were at a level of Malachim. Because what, what is special about angels? They don't have any worldly problems. They don't eat, they don't drink. They, don't, they, they just have to, they're, they're all totally spiritual. That's how Hashem wanted it in the Midbar. Hashem wanted it in the Midbar totally spiritual from that aspect that they could focus on their spirituality without having to do anything else. Because they have to grow. In a way, it's like the baby in his mother's womb. That there also, the Malach teaches Torah all the time, nothing else. You don't have to worry. The food, everything else is coming from the mother. That's the best life possible when they're in the womb. The Midbar, that's the, the Ruchni. That's the Malach. That's not the ideal situation. Hashem put us in this world. He put us in this. Is that a two-year plan or a four-year plan? So that's a good question. I was waiting for that. You're, you're paying that. that. So that I'm not going to go into that tonight. That was it. Wasn't even two years. It was supposed to be less than two years. Okay, but but Hashem's master plan of the forty. Everything works out for a reason. Okay, but you're right. What you said now. But the but there had to be a midbar. Whether it's forty years or a few days, there had to be a midbar. There had to be a midbar before going into Eretz Yisrael. And then when they come into Eretz Yisrael, things change drastically. No more malachim. This is the real world in Eretz Yisrael. This is the real world. 
The goal in the real world is to live a life of a human being, not a malach. Because a malach in Hashem has enough in Shemayim. It's like the Kutzker, the Kutzker Rebbe, who is known to have these short varts, these short ideas. So what does this Pasuk say? Hashemayim, Shemayim Hashem, varts natan livnei adam. Right? We also know the Pasuk. So the Kutzker Rebbe used to say, Hashemayim, Shemayim Hashem. That's Hashem's. Va'aretz natan livnei adam, to make it into a Shemayim. He gave the arets to Bnei Adam, to humans, but our job in this world is to elevate everything we do to a Shamayim level. But through this world, that's the ideal, through this world, through eating, through drinking, through everything we do worldly, through our working day in and day out to plant the trees and to dig the wells and to have an army. I, I, I'm not going to politics now, but if you want to call it, this is like the, what we call the Dati Lumi, the Haredi Lumi, whatever you want to call it. That's the idea to have a life of both worlds, of the Ruchniut and the Gashmiut intertwined together. That was the plan when you go into Eretz Yisrael. That's why, now it's not just planting a tree. Now you can you say, now we can see it in a way the two Midrashim would say planting trees is a mitzvah. Why is it, what mitzvah is there planting a tree? So you can look at it at the basic level. Yeah, because when you plant a tree, and Eretz that's what Hashem wanted us to do, to yet yeah, to live a normal life, and yes, to plant trees. But in Eretz Yisrael, it's a special thing. Because Eretz Yisrael, that same tree is not a tree like the same tree in Atlanta or in New York. That tree in Eretz Yisrael now has mitzvot on that tree that are elevating the tree to a more holy tree. That tree is not as holy in Chutz Laaretz. That tree now has mitzvot, hatzliot barats, trumot, masro, shmita. Okay, that's part of that tree in Eretz Yisrael. You don't have that in other places. Where can you uh, plant a tree and elevate that tree in Eretz Yisrael? It's not just a tree. It's a tree that's going to have mitzvot that are attached to the tree. You're going to plant the tree because that's what I want you to do. No more money. No more money. You want food, but the food itself is going to have Kedusha. And you're going to make sure it has Kedusha because there are mitzvot within that tree. That's the idea. And that's the difference between the Midbar and Eretz Yisrael. Between the Chochmah and the Bina. The chicks, and when they grow old, that's the idea here. You go transition from the Midbar way of life to the Eretz Yisrael way of life. Now, if we understand that, we can start understanding the first Midrash, all the props over there. So it's a beautiful thing. Now, if we understand that, everything is exact what Chazal wanted to teach us there. This whole idea of the king telling his son, you're going out to business. Of course, you go out to business. What's the business? That's all in Eretz Yisrael. That's why it's on that puzzle. Yeah, you go to business. What's the prakmatia? In the Midbar, there's no prakmatia. You don't need to. The Midbar, it's totally, totally, it's totally like malachim. The prakmatia starts in Eretz Yisrael. That's why the Midrash is on that puzzle. You come into Eretz Yisrael, you have to start working. Yeah, if you want to eat, you're going to have to start working. There's no free passes anymore. Start working. Oh, you're afraid. What are you afraid of? You're afraid of the listed. You're afraid of the pirates. Now, what are the listed and the pirates? What are all that? That's being afraid of this world. In the Midbar, they had nothing to be afraid of. Because the Midbar, they, were, they weren't there. They were, everything was taken care of. But when you go out to the real world, you have what to be afraid of. Not only from the goyim around, our enemies, but everyday life, call it the Yitzhar, call it whatever, whatever name you want. Those are the challenges of a real life that you don't have in the Midbar. You're going to have to deal with all that, and I understand you're going to be afraid. But I'm giving you something you don't have to be afraid of. I'm giving you what? The Kamiya. I'm giving you the Torah, the good love trap. As long as you use Torah in every way, aspect of your life, you'll be okay. But the Torah here... I can't just give you the Torah like in the Midbar. The Torah has to be intertwined with the Makel. Because the Makel represents, again, use your imagination, it can represent the Makel used to go to war like Yoshua in contrast to Moshe. You need a Makel, you need something. And that, yeah, when you're going to go have to go out to real war, because there's no more clouds, as long as you go out to, that, to war with the Torah intertwined, you don't have to be afraid. You're using the Torah. Or the makel could be anything that we use worldly. That's what the makel is. We said, where's that? The makel, you need the makel, this stick, which represents all the worldly stuff. You need it in this world. 
in Eretz Yisrael. You don't need it. In the Midbar, you're right. You just need the Eitz Chayim, the Kamiya. You just need the good luck charm, the Torah itself. But when you go out into this world, the Torah has to be incorporated into everything we have. The Makel, this... And I'm saying this, and I'm proud I'm saying this. Okay, today I work in Steyron, the Hester Yeshiva before, and I worked in Karabiyam, the Hester Yeshiva. The Hester student, which any of pretty people will joke around, but it's no joke. Who was the first Hester Yeshiva student that combined army and Torah? Was Yeshua Benun. That's exactly what Yeshua was. Yeshua, <laughs> the guy who was learning Torah, but he had to go out to war, he went out to war. He didn't sit in the base midrash and then said, okay, it'll be a miracle. It, it doesn't work like that. In the Midbar, yes. Not in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael, Yoshua himself, the, top, the, the, the yeshiva bachar, had to go out and, learn, and, 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 and fight. But he did it with Torahs. He did it with Torah. That's what he did. There's a, a beautiful, I mean, this is very, again, very uh, relevant for this week of Yom Hazikaron. 20 years ago, exactly. <laughs> this time of year. So, after the terrorist attacks, we're really getting bad. Now it's also bad, but then it was 10 times, 100 times. Then they had to go, and then the army decided to go into Chomak Magen. That's when they went into, into the last time there were, well, maybe they, they, this past week there were also with tanks in Jenin and all those places. And they had really had to fight and get the terrorists out. And that, that Baruch Hashem made a, brought a big change around. And one of the soldiers there, his name was God Ezra, Hashem Yikom Damo. And this guy was engaged at the time. And they found his letters afterwards that he wrote his fiance. And the letters that he writes there is exactly what I'm telling you now. He's telling his fiance basically, if you're going to read this letter, that means that I didn't come back. But I want you to know that I felt like here I'm doing something because through the Torah. I mean, that's what he writes in all his letters. I'm doing. I'm going out to war, even though I love you and I know this. But the, the reason I'm doing this is because I understand there's a higher purpose here. That the Torah, that I'm going out with the Torah with me. I'm going out because I know how important it is to protect you, to protect Am Yisrael. I'm doing this through the Torah, in the Torah's name. It's so different than Yemach Shemam, our enemies, that they dare to say that what they do in God's name. They're holy wars. When we go out to war, we're doing B'Shem Torah. We do because we understand what that means. Okay? But that's exactly what that Makel is and why you need the Kamiya. You need that charm. You need the Torah, but the Torah has to be in the Makkel. Now, I want to show you something even more fascinating. Source number eight. We're going to get there in the summer. When another one of our enemies, Balak and Bilam. So Balak, when he comes to Bilam to curse Am Yisrael, he says, you know what, Bilam, I want this people, but what, 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 what's bothering, what bothers me the most, the most? I want to chase him out of the land. Now, the simple meaning is out of the land. I want to wipe him off the face of the earth. That's Aretz. But the Midrash takes Aretz as meaning the Aretz. And what did Balak say? Balak's true colors were he understood, like most of our enemies today. They're smart enough to understand that our main Koach, is in Eretz Yisrael. As long as we don't come into Eretz Yisrael, they couldn't care less about us. Okay, we had the Yom HaShoah last week. Of course, Hitler, Yomach Shemot, killed the six million Jews in Europe. But our enemies today, and back then also understood that when they go, and even Hitler, with, with the, the, the time with the Jews in Eretz Yisrael, that he wanted to come to Eretz Yisrael. We all know the history. He wanted to come. It was a nace that he didn't make it here. And they already had plans. We all know the stories. They already had plans at Hara Carmel, the second Matzada. They were already ready. The Jews here were ready to have the Nazis come here and everything. Yeah, because they knew the minute that Hitler also knew this. That if they, the Jews in Eretz Yisrael have, it's not the same power they have in Chutzlaretz. They're a much stronger people. But it's not only a stronger people. It's the guy you also understand that if, if you have the Gullish Jew in Chutzlaretz, he's not accomplishing the goal that was set forth like we saw in the Midrash before. The goal is to come into Eretz Yisrael and to elevate everything here. Now I could care less if, if Balak was saying, if they want to stay in the Bate Midrash and just stay out of my way and not come into Eretz Yisrael and not elevate the land, that's okay because the minute the Jews show the world that I can live a normal life but I live my life incorporated with Torah, that makes their whole philosophy down the drain. 
that shows that they're worth nothing. That's Balak also knew that, and most of our enemies know that. Because the Jews in Eretz Israel show what a true person is. They are accomplishing God's goal to live a normal life, but to elevate it with Kedusha. That's the between us and them. It's the Muslims and the Christians. I mean, the Christians, it's even in some cases, even more so. I mean, the Christians' whole philosophy is you can't get married, you can't drink wine, because they feel that if you want to be holy, you have to separate yourselves from this world. Now, the two examples I just gave now getting married and drinking wine. In halacha, in Torah, dafka, those two things are called kiddush. Kiddushin. And on the wine, you make kiddush. So those two things that they say, if you want to be holy, you have to throw away. We understand that we take those things and we elevate them. We sanctify them. And the guy know that. And I said, the minute they come in there, it's Israel. They show the world that you can live a life of being a farmer, planting trees, Digging wells, having an army, but doing it through God's name, we're in trouble because that shows that we're a bunch of you know fakers and we don't and our way of life is not true. So that's the whole concept. Make sure they don't come here. Make sure they don't enter the land. As long as they stay out and they want to live their lives, you know, that's fine. But the minute they enter Israel, that's the end for all of us. So based on this now, I think we understand a little bit better. Okay, first of all, I think we answered all the questions about the Midrashim. And now I think our eyes should be open now even more what the difference is, what a Jew's job is in Eretz Yisrael. Maybe what I described here is, yeah, this is Tzionut, but it's Tzionut based on the Torah, that we're living a life in Eretz Yisrael, a normal life, a worldly life, but everything we do here is elevated. Everything we do here has a taste of holiness in it. Now I want to go one step further and just show you one more thing, because I think that without the second part of what I want to say here, so it won't be complete. There's, it's not coincidental that Yom HaTzmud comes after Yom HaZikaron. The fact that the government decided to do it that way. And it's so different than other countries. I mean, it always comes to mind, at least in America, that Memorial Day. Memorial Day is not connected to July 4th. It's too sad. And even Memorial Day in America, people also, they go and barbecue and have it. It's not the same type of day. Memorial Day in America. When they made, they had the idea of Yom Atzmu followed by Yom HaZikron to be followed by Yom HaTzmud, it wasn't a stop. Of course, the idea is on a simple level. You cannot have Yom HaTzmud without Yom HaZikron. There would not be Yom HaTzmud, there would not be independence without all the soldiers and civilians that gave their lives to make sure we have independence. But I want to show you something else. Next week's partials. Now you have, uh, you know, this is Eretz Yisrael, because in America, in Chutzlaretz, they're behind one parsha now. So, okay, but I'm going to go here by Eretz Yisrael. We're going to read this coming week, Emor. Okay, so look at this. I wanted to show you how to look at life, even though life might be hard, and there might be Yisurim, but it depends how we look at those Yisurim. So there's a pasuk in the middle of the parsha of Emor. We know we're going to read this coming week. Parsha Emor. It has the parsha of the Mo'adim, of all the holidays. In the middle of the holidays, we have a puzzle which is so out of place, apparently. It appears to be out of place. That's puzzle. Source number nine. This is the mitzvah of what we call in Hebrew, the gift that we give to the poor from the field. Pay, I'll leave in the corner of the field the leket, what falls out, what falls when I'm cutting the field, I have to leave those for the poor. It's smack in the middle of the of the parsha of the holidays. It comes right before the parsha of the Chodesh Hashvi Bechad Chodesh. What holiday is that? What's Chodesh Hashvi Bechad Chodesh? Rosh Hashanah. So what does the Midrash say? Look what the Midrash says. The Midrash source number ten says brings a pasuk from Mishlei again. The pasuk of Mishlei says, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to shorten this, and I. Orach Chaim Lemalo Lemaskil. Very famous puzzle. Orach Chaim 
Simple meaning. The masculine, the one who's smart, Shlomo Amelach says, if he wants to live a life, he has to go the malach. He has to always try to go up and up. That's the simple meaning. Or Chaim, the way of life, the But here, and here we have another pasuk here, which we are familiar with. We just had it. Okay, the same thing. Because that's what, what is a true way of a Jew's life? Torah. That's that's it. Now, there's another explanation. Ein orach ela yisur. Unfortunately, or maybe not so unfortunately, the way of life, and maybe it's an important part of life, is yisur. Is going through trials and tribulations. Is going through pain. Is going through suffering. But then look what the Midrash does here. It connects. Now, the suffering has to do something with giving the poor people the matanot. Because that's what this Pasuk is talking about. But then it says, at the end of the Midrash, Lamisha Mistakalam Exfotel Shal Torah. So it's a plan of words. Lemala usually means you want to live a life, go up. The Midrash says, you want to you know what life to live? Which life to live? Rosh Hashanah is when we decide what lives we're going to live. Because that's the beginning of the year. We're being judged. So you want to know this life of yours that is going to have you surin. But you want to know what? You want to know how to live your life? Look Lemala. What's Lemala? Look above, at the Pasuk above. What's the Pasuk above? Giving them atano to the Now, what does that mean? So, what am I supposed to learn from giving them atano to the What am I supposed to learn from giving gifts to the poor? Okay? Now, we have another pasuk. I'm not, I'm not going to go into this now because it's shorter as your time, so I want to leave time also for questions. But there's a some sukim in Yirmiyot that Hashem says the same thing to Yisrael. I'm not going to finish you off like I'm going to finish off the Goyim. Why not? Because you, I'm Yisrael, you're not going to be finished off because you finish off, you don't finish off your fields, I'm not going to finish you off. That's a, a, alluding to Pam. You leave a corner of your fields, I'm not going to finish you off. Unlike the Goyim that don't have a concept of giving gifts to the poor, they're going to be destroyed eventually from the world. Now, what does this all mean? So you have to understand, in life, when a person goes through Yisurim, and everyone has Yisurim at different levels. How does one look at it? What is his perspective of life? Of those Yisurim? There are two ways of looking at it. You can look at Yisurim and say, Yisurim, Hashem's punishing me. You know, you're all depressed. You're all sad. And some people, we know this also from the Holocaust. So I don't need this type of life. Hashem doesn't care about me. Okay, it's done. I'm over but then there are those that say, no, no, no. These Yisurim, I understand here. I understand what Hashem is trying to do to me here. Hashem wants me to use these Yisurim as a springboard to grow. As a springboard to grow in life, to elevate, to worship Hashem through these Yisurim. Now I'll show you a beautiful thing. During the last year in Gush Katif, when everything was already happening, there was a song that became maybe I would say this song. Okay, there were well, there were I, I said there were two songs. One was more for the kids to sing that was more catchy. That was a song of six words. The eternal people aren't scared of a long journey. That was one song. That was just words. I didn't know what the source of those words are. That became a very catchy song. But then there was another song based on a Pascal. Now we all know, we all daven, and we have a few parakim in Tehillim that, for example, we have Tefillah Lemosha, right? We said yesterday on Shabbos, Tefillah Lemosha. What's Tefillah Lemosha? What did David Abedach want to say by Tefillah Lemosha? We say Moshe Rabbeinu had a certain Tefillah. Moshe Rabbeinu had a level of his own that he daven. And we want to say that. But there's another Tefillah. There's Tefillah Le'ani Kiyatov. That became the song also in Gush Katif. Tefillah, the ani, the poor, also is a tefillah. When he's going through his all his miserable life, but he also, at the time when he has that miserable life, he also knows how to daven, and he reaches a level that we only could be jealous of, because the ani understands 
that why Hashem made him poor and he's suffering, but this is an opportunity for him to daven. That some of us don't even get there, maybe good or maybe not good, but the Ani has a certain place that he can get to, a level that we can't get to. Now I'll tell you a famous Gemara, it's not in front of me here, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. The Gemara shares a, a um, conversation with Rabbi Akiva and one of the Romans, okay, Transrophos. He kind of asked a lot of questions. And he said, if you're God, everyone knows this in different, uh, in different versions. So if your God loves the poor, so if he loves them so much, why don't he give them money? So what did Rabbi Akiva answer? Oh, because I'll tell you why. Because Hashem wanted us to use the poor so we could be saved from Gehenna, that we could support them. So the, the, the Russia, the guy says, no, you're wrong. By supporting them, you're going to go to Gehenna by supporting them. And the, and the guy goes ahead and gives a mushroom. He says, I'll tell you what it's compared to. Let's say you had a king that got upset at his slave. And he put the slave in jail. And he told people, he's, no one is supposed to give him food. No one should bring him any drinks. And someone goes and gives him something to eat. Someone goes and gives him something to drink. If the king would hear about it, what would be his reaction? He would get upset. So the, the guy tells him, Akiva, how dare you go against your God's words? So Akiva's brilliance knows, didn't even hesitate. And he says, the guy says, and you are called, and you are to God, you are slaves. The Torah says, you are slaves to God. So Akiva, without hesitating, says, you're wrong. I'll give you the same mashal with a slight change. You want to compare it to something? I'll tell you what it's compared to. It's a king that put his son in jail. And he told people, I don't want anyone to give my son food. I don't want anyone to give my son anything to drink. And if someone would then go ahead and give the son to drink, would the king then be angry? No, the king would be happy. And we're called, and he tells the, the guy, we're also called bunny. We're also called children. It's all a matter how you look at it. The guy sees the poor person as someone who's driven away by God. Someone who, if he's poor, that means God doesn't like him. That's why he's poor. So the guy has no concept of what he thinks that a poor, poor person is someone that Kashem doesn't like. And you should treat him like that. You should treat him like someone that's an outsider. Don't give him, don't have mercy on him. God have mercy. We look at it, no. These sure are part of life. You sort of part of life that Hashem wants us to go through, and that's why they're called Yisur Shalava. Look at source number 13, the famous Gemara in Brachos. It says there are three Matanos Tovos, there are three good gifts that Hashem gave us. And all three He gave us through Yisurim. The only way to acquire them are through Yisurim. What are the three? Torah, Eretz Yisrael, and Olam Haba, which basically means Torah, we understand. If you want to learn Torah, you have to sweat. You have to cry. Eretz Yisrael, we all know the truth. You want Eretz Yisrael, you have to sweat. You have to cry. There's going to be a lot of suffering. And Olam Haba, which is basically life. Here, your life, you want to get Olam Haba, you're going to have to work for it. Now, turn the page back to the flip. There's one source I skipped. I left to the end. And this is a good ending, and then I'm going to take questions. Ezu Ashira Sameach We started Pirkei Avos, right? We started saying Pirkei Avos. Perik Dal, we'll get to it in a few weeks. Now, if I would take a servant here, what is the, everyone knows how to quote this. How many times have we quoted it? Now, if I would ask, take a survey, what lesson in life is this Mishnah teaching us? Who is the true rich person? Someone who's Sameach Bechelko. I'm sure, anyone want to volunteer? What is the lesson in your life? What does Sameach Bechelko mean? He's happy with what he's with what he has, right? What we call it, Hashem should give you a little, be happy. That's what most people will say. There's a perush like that. But the only problem with that perush is the continuation of the Mishnah. Because the Mishnah brings a proof for that saying. How do we know that the true Ashir is someone who's Sameach Bechelko? Yegiya Kapecha Kitochel Ashrecha Kapecha Kitochel. The more you toil, then you're happy. That if the, if the payroll should just be happy with what you have, what does the Pasuk have to do with being happy with what you have? The Pasuk says about saying about, about working hard. So a lot of the Farshim say, no, no, no. You know what Ashir Sameach Bechalko means? 
The emphasis is on Chelko. What is Chelko? It's his Chelek. No one can take it away from him because he worked for it. He sweat for it. He toiled over it. It's Yigiyah Kapecha. That's the Ashir. You know why? Because if we, anyone in there, you can all relate to this with your children, with your grandchildren. When you give something to someone, it's a present, it's a gift. You didn't work for it at all, anything. So it's nice. And the person usually, hopefully, we educated our children, grandchildren, okay, when they get the gift, they'll be thankful, hopefully for a long time that we gave the gift. They'll even have, they'll feel thankful. Why am I getting this? I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to deserve it. But the minute you paid for something, you earned it. So then you don't owe anything, anything. You don't owe anyone anything. It's yours. You work for it. No one can take it away from you. This is yours. So you can get freebies. And then going back now, if we now come full circle. In the Midbar, it's a great life. But what did Israel do for anything they got? They got everything for free. They got everything for free. It was Chochmah. They got everything spoon-fed to them. From the Gashmis and the Ruchlis, everything they did, it's not theirs. It's a nice way of life. But it's not theirs. That's why, I'm digressing a second, the Malach, after the baby learns all the Torah, what happens to that baby? The Malach hits him on the face and he forgets all the Torah. So everyone asks, well, that would be a great world. You get, you're born, everyone would know everything. That would be great. You're right, teachers would, would have a living, okay? But everyone would know. He says, no, but that's not what Hashem wants us to work for things. Hashem wants us to earn it. Because it's not the same feeling when you get something free. <laughs> Okay, so you got it. It's very nice. But do you feel the same when you know that you earned what you did? Eretz Yisrael, everything we have here, we earn. We have to earn it. Everything. And that's the Yom Hazikaron. Because we paid a very, very, very steep price for having Eretz Yisrael. Just Friday night, I mean, that's how I, I, I was hoping I went down. But just Friday night, another sacrifice. Another payment. The soldier, the, the, the guard in Ariel. Okay? Another story. Another grave. But that's the price we pay. We don't understand Hashem's ways. We don't even start to understand why. But we do understand that Hashem told us, yeah, you want Eretz Israel, you're going to have to have Yisur. But he said, Yisur Shalab. It's because I love you. I love you. You're my children. Not like the guy doesn't understand that. Or Akiva tells him, because he loves us, he wants us to earn it. Because he wants us to stay with us. So We all know the expression in English. Easy come, easy go. But when it's not easy come, then it's not easy go. Then it stays with us. Then it sticks with us. And it's not a coincidence that Eretz Yisrael has been ours for so long. That Am Yisrael has been around for so long. There are no other people. There are no people other around anymore to compete with us. There are no more Romans. There are no more Greeks. Because we have paid the price. And that's why we have this special connection to Eretz Yisrael that no one else has. That's the Yom HaZikron before Yom HaTzmoot. You want to know why there's Yom HaTzmoot? The way we went through Torah's eyes? Because, Yom because we paid for it. That's our Yom HaZikron is the payment for why we are celebrating 74 years. Of course, we know it's a lot more than 74 years. Because we've had Eretz Yisrael for, but having a Medina of our own, we paid a price. Now, now going back now to my Gush Katif story. Now you understand also, yeah, Gush Katif was a terrible thing. And then we're paying for it today. You're talking about paying? I'm paying for something? It's 20. 5,000 rockets later is what's Gush Katif. That when it was sold to us, this concept of, we'll leave Gush Katif. We'll throw 10,000 people out of their homes. We'll leave. And then we'll have peace. No one in their right mind, in their right mind, believed that there would be peace. I don't know, I mean, and I know for a fact that people <laughs> said that if we leave, what's happened, what's happening today is going to happen. I mean, it wasn't like they knew. They were no. They weren't Nevi'im. They just knew common sense. You're going to get rockets on Ashdod, Ashkelon, Tel Aviv. It always come true. Maybe too soon. Because you have to understand who you're dealing with here. You're dealing with people who hate us, who want us out of here. Okay, it's just 
unfortunate that we had to learn the hard way. But then to come and say after Gush Katif, but now let's say, you know what, well, you know, we're not we're gonna stop saying halal. Why should we celebrate God's food after the government did this to us? But that's exactly the point. Forget the government. Government is a tool in Hashem's hands. One prime minister, one government. But we understand, hopefully after tonight, that there's a lot more than just the government. This is a whole story. Okay, this is a whole story of who we are. Of planting the trees. We don't need the JNF. We don't need cacao. We don't need them telling us. We understand this is what the Torah is what Hashem wanted us to do. So, okay, people were sad and upset. Of course, you lose your house. You lose your job. For something, excuse me, something so stupid. But at least... We understand that, what are you going to hear? So you're not going to say, hello, why? You have to rejoice for what the true reason for rejoicing is. So you're right, you lost your house, but look at the bigger picture. This, this, was another, this is another Yisurim. This is another speed bump on the Derech Harukah, which we don't understand. We understand what's in Ritz Hashem. That was always what the kids used to ask. I was the principal, the Rosh Hashiva of the high school there. So the kids used to ask, what's going to be at the end? So that, I heard that, it's not my answer. One of the rabbeim there, Gush Katim, used to say, Maya Basof? That's the easiest answer. You want to know what Basof? Open up all the beautiful nevuahs in Chagai, Zechariah, Malachi, usually the nevuah that we don't learn in school. But those are all the nevuahs about when Mashiach comes. Basof is a beautiful, we all know the end. Look at, open up Tanakh, you'll see the end. Ah, what's the problem? That until you get to the end, so you're gonna have to go through a few more speed bumps. I, I so then here I also I don't if I, if I said this I heard it from someone else also. It's like you go in a tunnel. You know the end of the tunnel. There's light, and sometimes when you're in the tunnel you even see the light. But then again you go to another curve and then you don't see the light. And then that's Am Yisrael's way of life. But the fact that we have what to be happy and to say hallel and to rejoice about, I think no one could even argue about that. So you have Yisurim. But look, you cannot compare to what we have today. Look what happened. Look, look after the Holocaust. Look what it would it's, it's an unbelievable nace what has happened here. No one in their right mind would have believed that today in Eretz Israel you have millions of Jews, seven million Jews. Would ever thought that in our own land, with our own government. So you could, you could agree with the government. Don't we, the government passes by we, in Eretz Israel, we know that's the truth. Like changing socks, okay? The government, one government today, tomorrow, the who can, but the fact that we have here, the concept what we have here, and that's why the beautiful thing, I'm sure all of you have heard here, what everyone knows here, what Atbash is, right? The Atbash, what uh, the halacha tells us, you want to know how the holidays work out. So Chazal came up with this, with, these, uh, with this way to remember. Can you take the days of Pesach? And every day of Pesach, with the Aleph bed, you know, so the Aleph of Pesach, when the first day of Pesach falls, this year was, was Shabbos, that's when Tishabah, the tough. That this you check the calendar. Tishabah this year is a Nidcha. Tishabah this year is Sunday. Okay? Bet, the second day of Pesach, is Shin. Shin is Shavuot. And that's how it goes. Gimel. Now, very strange. Zion, the seventh day of Pesach, has no pair. It's not an halacha. If you look, source number 14, you don't believe me, you can open up the Shabbat afterwards. It goes at Bash, Aleph Tough, Beit Shin. Gimel Reish, Dalit Kuf, Hei Vav Pei. Now what should be Zion? What should be the pair of Zion? Which letter in the alphabet should be Zion? If you start, what should be? I. But there's no I. Chazal didn't write, there's no I. But I don't understand, you just forgot about the seventh day of Pesach? I don't understand. The seventh day of Pesach, we just forgot it? Okay, eighth day of Pesach is only in Chutzlar. It's okay. But what about the seventh day of Pesach? It just ends, like the seventh day of Pesach doesn't exist. So a lot of people, and he, uh, uh, the first one I saw this by, there was the chief Sephardic rabbi of Tel Aviv, was a rab, his name was Amram Abarbia. And he writes this in his one of his Sephar. And he says, we were only Zochet to know what the Ayin is after Yom Hatzmut. The seventh day of Pesach in a normal year. Means we all, like this year also, the way, Baruch Hashem, the government went through so many evolutions when Yom Atzmud is. We know though the Hebrew date is Hei Be'er. Hei Be'er is the day. And this year, for example, the seventh day of Pesach was Friday. Hei Be'er is Friday. But because 
the Chilo Shabbos, there are people who are afraid. So every time, so like this year, they don't celebrate Yom Atzmah on Friday because they're afraid that people are going to celebrate it at a Chilo. So they make it a Muktam. They make it till Dab. And a lot of years, it's very rare that Yom Atzmah, you celebrate Bo Bayom on the day of Abiyah because it's either on Sunday or third, whatever. But like we say, the MS is the seventh day of Pesach will always come out the same day as Yom Atzmah. That's the eye. That's the missing pair. That's a beautiful thing. Because we know the seventh day of Pesach was the day of Kriyat Yamsuf. Now, Kriyat Yamsuf, okay, unlike Mitzrayim, when the Jews didn't do a thing, it all came from Hashem. Hashem took them out. We all say that, we said it a few weeks ago as the Haggadah. Anivalo Malach, Anivalo. It was all Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. Amisro was such a low level, they couldn't do anything. But that changed the seventh day of Pesach. When they're at the Yamsuf, Hashem says, wait, 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 wait. Again, now you have to do something. It can't all come from me. And that's what he says. Am Yisrael has to make, take the first step. And that's Nachshon and Aminanda. They have to take the first step into the water. I can't keep on doing everything myself. And that's the Yom HaTzmuk we talk about now. The ayin has to be that it comes from us. It's no more all from Hashem. All it has to come from us. And that's what happened. That's our story. It comes from us. Yeah, it comes from us. There are also bad things. There's also Yisurim. But at least there are results. And Hashem sees that. And you have Yisurim. You pay good money for it. You pay good guilt. And the Gula has started. So it's not the ultimate Gula yet. It's not the Gula Mashiach yet. But it's Adchalta the Gula, like we say. Reishit Smichat Gula Tainu. It's the beginning. I don't think there's anyone who can deny that. I mean, there are, unfortunately, people who deny that. But I... I always say, I'll argue with them from here till morning. How you can, how can you possibly say it's not racial smichat gulatayim? After everything you've seen for the last 74 years, everything you see, you look around. And when I say look around, what we talked about tonight, I'm saying look around for miracles. You want to see miracles? Look how many buildings there are in Modiyin. Look how the building's happening. And look at the schools happening. Those are miracles. That's that's the reason. What else is smichat gulatayim? What else is the gula? Go out and see for yourself. That is what we spoke about. Go ahead and plant trees. Go look, look at this forest and this new and this new thing. That's the beautiful. That's the beauty. That's the gula. It's exactly what the mirror said. That's the, there's no, we're not expecting to see miracles. The mon, the Mondays are over. The Ananea couple days are over. We have an army. We have trees. We have makolets. We have supermarkets. That's exactly, that's what we're talking. That's the midrash. So, you're going to have times that we don't understand why, like Gushkati's story, and they're going to be pain, and you're going to have a story like this, the, the, the holy, holy young man that was killed Friday night. You're going to have, that's part of what, that's part of our history here. That's part of the surah that we're paying for. Now we're going to continue paying for until the Gula HaShlein. That's part of the plan. And we don't know, that's what Hashem wants. How many Yisurim? That's not up to us. That's in Hashem's hands. But that's why I think this week when we come, so again, standing for the siren, not standing saying, hey, hey, we, uh, I'm telling you, we find, when I say we, Am Yisrael finds what to argue about, everything you want. So they come up, come to Eretz Yisrael, you have more arguments, okay, there's a siren. You stand for the siren, don't stand the siren. And they say, we came to Eretz Yisrael, all these new things, and we have more arguments. Like I said, where are all these arguments? During Sviyat Omer. During Sviyat where, where we don't learn our lessons, okay? I mean, Akiva students, 24,000 died <coughs> because they didn't, and we find more reasons not to come Instead of us learning from our mistakes, let's continue. So we have to argue about the siren. It doesn't matter you stand, don't stand what you're doing during the siren, what you don't do during the siren. But at least, based on what we heard tonight, at least during the siren, so think what I do, for example, I say, say but y'all, think about all those Kedoshim and Tahorim that gave their lives so we could have the Yom Atzmut, that gave their lives, that we should be here, that we can live our lives here, living safely and securely. Okay, now again, with Yom Atzmut, you want to say hello with the bracha, without a bracha, not, no, it doesn't matter. No one's going to look what you do. No, but again, stand in front of the mirror and say what you want. If you want, if you say that you really, really feel that you have nothing to be thankful for, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Okay, especially talking to a crowd here that Omeir Aliyah understands the thing. But I'm not going to tell you also to go convince other people because it's not worth it. 
A person has to get to that belief by himself. Okay? Again, it doesn't matter with a bracha. That's, that's not the important thing. Is okay, you say a parrot that you really, really have nothing to be thankful for. Nothing. I'm not telling you to make a bracha, but come on. Be serious with yourself. Who, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? So I think that's something that we have to learn. That's something we have to learn about the idea of really looking into this Hashem's plan. And look, I'm going to tell you, I, I know I, I, I mentioned this uh, 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 full disclosure. So I work in Steyrot, in the yeshiva, and that's the yeshiva in Steyrot. If you want a experience uplifting and to see a miracle, okay? So part of what I do there is I give, I, I take people around to see the miracle of Steyrot, and it's definitely a miracle. Okay, a city like that should have a long time ago become a ghost town. Should have become a ghost town a long time ago for the first rocket, not 20,000 rockets. So if you ever want to come down individually or as a group, I'll be very happy to take you around and uh, show you something which is very worth seeing, okay? Steyrot is somewhere, you know, people think it's a, it's an hour from Odin. An hour from Odin. That's what it took me today. An hour from Odin. Um, and it's worthwhile. It's very worthwhile. Ari, you, you, you came, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's worthwhile coming there. If you want to really understand, again, what, what, what we spoke about tonight, you'll understand even more up close and personal when you see the story there in Stay Road. Um, so that's uh, something which uh, I would love to be privileged to take you around there also. Any questions now? Any, any questions? I'll be happy to answer about anything.